0: Thanks for tuning in to the teaching ministry of Mike Hilson, Senior Pastor of New Life Wesleyan Church of La Plata, Maryland. It's a church that plants churches. And of Where You Are Church, an online church helping people reconnect with God through practical content and a growing community. Hey, we're glad that you're taking time to listen to this week's message. We hope this teaching helps you love God and love people better every single day. And if you enjoy what you hear today, consider sharing it with someone else. Now, enjoy today's teaching. Now today we're
1: gonna we're gonna jump into the last in our series, uh, real versus fake, and um, and as we do that, what we're gonna look at is this issue of faith. Um, faith is something that has been, I think. I think it's a word that has been misused inside the church. I think it's a word that has been misused inside the culture quite often. And and I think it's something we need to kind of come to grips with as in terms of understanding real faith versus a fake faith. Cuz sometimes sometimes well let, let's just jump into it. Let me let me we'll, we'll get into it as we go through the story. We're going to be in 1 Samuel. First uh, Samuel. We're going to be in chapter 17. We're going to look at the life of a. We're going to look into the life of a young King David. He's not king yet. He's still. A, he's still a shepherd. He's been called when we jump into this story. His dad has called him out of the pasture, uh, where he tends the the sheep, and his dad has asked him to take supplies to his brothers who are off to battle to do war with the Philistines. And to follow King Saul as they do that. So David has taken these supplies. He's now gone uh, to the battlefield. And when he gets there, he finds the armies of Israel lined up on one side of a valley, on, on one ridge. And the armies of the Philistines lined up on the other ridge, on the other side of the valley. In between the two is this gap this chasm they can't they can't it's too far for them to throw projectiles at one another so they're just facing each other and and every day this champion of the Philistines named Goliath comes out and he challenges the armies of God and his challenge is very simple why should we all die uh, so you send one champion out to fight me I'll be the champion for the Philistines you send someone out to fight me. If they win, then the Philistines will be your servants. If I win, you will be the Philistine servants. It's it's a very simple uh, way that sometimes ancient armies would settle issues. And so and so, you know, two people fight to the death instead of two armies fighting to the death. It sounds like it sounds like a sounds like a pretty good plan, right? So that's what's going on. But what the problem is is that Goliath is huge, and nobody wants to fight him. And so Goliath seems to be almost a giant and nobody wants to come out and fight him. And the armies of Israel are cowering on the other side and nobody steps up. So David shows up and he shows up in time to hear, just in time to hear Goliath give his his threat, his call out uh, to the armies of Israel. And so in, in chapter 17, verse 26, we get these words. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And you understand that in David's mind when he walks up and he sees this, he, he, he's kind of confused. He, uh, he seems to me to be kind of confused as to why somebody's not stepping up against this guy. It, 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 David's assumption is, listen, listen to his assumption, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine? David's assumption is Goliath is going to lose, but which one of you are going to be the one to take him out? David's assumption is that the armies of God will win on this day. He starts from the standpoint, we are, we, we are following God so we can't lose. Who's going to do it? That, that, that's where he starts. So David has a faith. Watch. True faith sta- steps up when everyone else is falling back. Real faith will step up when everybody else is afraid. Real faith has a confidence. Real faith will step up and say, the assumption today is that God's armies will win. The, 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 the thing I'm going to start with is that what God has called us to do will prevail. I'm going to start with God wins. And then we're going to move on from there. So if God wins, who's the one that's going to step out in what God has called us to do? Who's the one that's going to do what God told us to do? Who's the one that's going to be there when God wins? Who's going to be on the front line when God wins? Who's going to be the one that carries the torch when God wins? Because God's going to win. That's the assumption that David starts with. Faith steps up when everyone else, when everyone else falls back. Now, watch. The story goes on in in verse 28 of of 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, let me pause. When you show this kind of faith, you're going to upset people who lack faith because all of a sudden you've made them look cowardly. And so Eliab, David's older brother, is is now angry with David because David has stepped up and said, who's going to do this? Somebody needs to take this dude out. And, and his older brother's going, you don't even understand what's going on. Listen to what he says. He says, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? You see how he's, he's putting David down. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Well, let me pause. The Bible calls David a man after God's heart. So, so when Eliab says how wicked your heart is, Eliab is obviously speaking something that is not true of David. And David has great confidence. I, can, I, can I just say to you, when you show this kind of faith, people will accuse you of being arrogant. But, but, listen to da- but listen to David's response. Well, now what have I done, said David. Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and was reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. So, so faith has confidence that does not tip over into arrogance. Faith is not a matter of arrogance. David is not saying, well, I can kill this guy because I'm just all that. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just that good. I'm just that awesome. I can do this. I have everything. I, David is not saying that. It's not an arrogance. It's not a personal arrogance. Listen, sometimes, well, honestly, quite often in our world, the faith that we show is, is rooted in an arrogance, an arrogance that is not backed up because ultimately arrogance will fail you but faith in god never will fail you so true faith has a confidence notice again Back over here in the beginning, David's assumption, he steps up because his assumption is that this Philistine will be killed. His assumption is that God's armies will prevail. His assumption is there will be victory. Therefore, with that assumption in mind that God will prevail, there is a confidence in the moment that everyone else lacks and david understands that this confidence that he has in this moment is based not in his capacity not in him not in his ability just like we talked about last week it's not based in his in his abilities it's based in god's goodness it's based in the fact that god's going to win look let, let me tell you something one of the easiest way to have great faith in your next step is to seek out god's will because what god says will happen will happen. So if you want to be on the winning side of anything, you got to get on God's side. Someone said to Abraham Lincoln one time, "Uh, Mr. President, I sure hope that God is on our side. And, and, And Lincoln's response was something to the tune of, no, I hope that we're on his side because God's side is always going to win. God's side is always going to prevail, and we've got to understand that. So if we can get in his will and work in his will, we can work with great confidence, not because we have any capacity or any ability or anything. We can work with great confidence because we are in the will of God, and God's will will prevail. So let's keep reading. Verse 32 says, So David shows up with Saul. He goes to see Saul and David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Now watch what David does, because some people might define what you're about to read as arrogance, but read it properly and understand it. Uh, Don't lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. He's saying, I will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. You're only a boy, some versions say. And he's been a warrior from his youth. You're a shepherd and he's a warrior. How's that going to work? But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me, here's what I want you to catch. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. I think I think, if I actually say this right, Saul is like, go, and <laughs> Lord be with you. You know, I think I don't think Saul ex- expects that David's going to make it through this. But David absolutely believes he's going to make it through this. Why? Because he's been here before. It's not his first rodeo. Faith faith steps up while everyone else falls back. Faith has confidence without arrogance because faith remembers deliverance. Faith remembers deliverance. You got to trust God to do it again. What I think we've got to understand here is that David, this is not the first time David's been in a situation like this. He's faced a lion. He's faced a bear. He has overcome obstacles already that, that, that would take most people out. And God, he knew every time that God delivered him from that. Notice he gives God the credit for overcoming it contrast this to last week's sermon where we talked about samson where samson thought gave his own strength the credit for getting him through things david doesn't do that david gives god the credit for getting him through these things and when god has delivered him in the past that gives him the faith and confidence that god will deliver him in the future now understand put it all together watch all this happen faith steps up why because it assumes god will win Faith has confidence. Why? Because in the assumption that God will win and knowing we're in God's will, we we have confidence that we are going to see the right outcome. That then allows us to remember the times that God delivered us before and trust that he's going to do it again. The more you go through this, the more you will understand that if God delivered you, then God is the same God now and he will deliver you now. I often say this to people. I, I've never really worried a lot about the finances of the church. And we've done an awful lot of things financially that are frightening, that are over the top, that, that, would, that would terrify most people. But I've never really worried about that. You say, well, you say, well why? And, and the answer is very simple. Tina and I first got married. Robert was born before we got out of college, and, um, and so we're in school. We had no insurance. We had nothing. We, 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 how are we going to make it through this? Tina cried for 45 minutes when she found out she was pregnant with Robert, and, um, and so obviously we had not planned that. And, and so because we, we didn't have insurance, we didn't have anything. It's going to mess everything up. God began to, began to step in and take care of everything. I have told this story before, but I'll tell it my whole life. I can remember a, I can remember multiple days where I walked into the house. I never said this to Tina. I never said it to anybody else. But I would open the refrigerator, and there wasn't enough food to get us through another day. And I wasn't exactly sure how we were going to make it. And God would say to me, go check the mail. And I, I, I remember one in particular day that I checked the mail, and there was a letter in there from my district superintendent and the letter said someone gave this to me and asked me to give it to you but they don't want you to know who it came from so i'm writing you this check but it's not from me it's from someone who believes in you and that was all it said and it came on the day i had opened the refrigerator and said i don't have any food god delivered financially on that day and because god delivered in that moment i watched him then do it again i had another day that Tina and I were headed off to college, and, and, a, and a guy in the church who, who I knew didn't have money handed me a $20 bill and said, Here, God told me to give you this. And I said, Jerry, you don't, you don't need to give me this. You need this as much as I do. He said, I know, but God told me to give it to you. And he said, I, I argued with him, and he said, Don't steal my blessing. And I said, Okay, fine. And I took the $20, and I stuck it in my pocket and didn't think about it. On the way up the road, our car broke down. We couldn't get it out of. We we dropped into a ditch and we couldn't get the car out of the ditch. And it's raining. It's pouring down rain. It's going up a mountain. And and um and some lady finally stopped. It wasn't common to have a cell phone at the time, but she had one in her car, and she called. Uh, she called a, a tow truck for us. The tow truck came. He pulled us out. And I said, "How much do I owe you?" And he, because I didn't have much money, and he said, he said twenty dollars and I just stood there. I almost cried. And I reached in my pocket and I grabbed that $20 that Jerry had just given me at church just a few hours before. And I handed it to the driver and I said, "I guess this is yours." And from that moment on, I've never worried about why? Because I know he did it before. I know he'll do it again. And because God took care of a $20 problem, because God took care of no food in my refrigerator, I was able to have faith when we had to take a $6 million gamble at the church one time and God came through again. You know, it's the small things. It's when God delivers you in the small things that prepare you for when you face a giant. And that's why this works. It's not arrogance. It's not, it's not, it's not, I can do this. It's, I've seen God do this before, and he's going to do it again. And man, it's going to be cool to watch him do it this time. You see how the attitude changes? Instead of fear, there's this faith. And so God begins to move. Watch. Faith steps up because you know God's going to win. Faith has confidence because you know God called you to it. Faith remembers deliverance. And in the end, in verse 41, Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. Why? Because (laughs) Goliath... Glowing with health and handsome would not be the way you described Goliath. And so so he despised him, and he said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. He's expecting hand-to-hand combat. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Faith speaks truth. And that means believing foreseeing. David David is not is not predicting a Super Bowl win before the season even starts. That's not what he's doing. David's looking at the situation and knowing God's got it. David's looking at the situation and knowing what God's will is in the situation. David is looking at the situation and knowing that God has delivered him from things like this before and knowing all of that he looks at the at Goliath and says, "Today you're going down because you've defied God. Not because I can do anything, but because God can do everything. Not because I'm great, but because God's great. God is going to deliver us, and today the world is going to see what God can do, not just what David can do. And David shocks everybody. David David takes out a sling, puts a stone in it, and begins to spin the sling. And so, when he releases it, this one stone lands right on the forehead of Goliath and knocks him out cold. David takes Goliath's own sword, cuts his head off, and the battle's over. So David wins. And by the way, the Philistines turn and run. They're not about to come and be slaves like Goliath had promised. They turn and run. So the armies of Israel have victory on this day because because Goliath brought a knife to a gunfight? Because David just slung that stone with such velocity and such force that it was a projectile that had the capacity to kill Goliath by itself. The truth is, God on this day had this taken care of from the beginning. No one else believed it, but David had faith. Why did David have faith? Because he understood He understood what God's will was, and he knew that that they could not defy the God of Israel. He had faith because he was not having confidence in his own ability, not an arrogance, a faith in God. He had faith because he knew what God had already done before, and he had faith on this day because he believed what was going to happen before he even saw it. Listen, I don't want anybody jumping off the edge of faith and saying, I believe something Because I want to believe it. If you're believing in your vision and your dream and your capacity and your ability, if you're believing in your call, that's not good enough. It's got to be God's call. You've got to be very careful that you're in the center of God's will in these moments. But when you are, have faith. Because the same God that did it before, the same God that brought down Goliath with one stone, will take care of the problem in front of you as well. You can trust him. But you've got to choose to pray with me holy spirit first and foremost today i ask that you would give us your will let us understand what you want in our lives let us understand what you want to see happen because your will is what's going to prevail so lord i pray that you would just show us your will let us seek out your will more than our desire let us seek out your will instead of our desire let us seek out your will but when we find it lord let us stand in a confidence that is not arrogant. Let us stand, Lord, in a in a in a belief that is based in the fact you've delivered before and you will do it again. And Lord, let us declare your will. Even before we see it happen, let us declare your will, knowing that you will bring it to pass. Give us, Lord, real faith, and we will give you praise. In your name we pray. Amen. So today I want to I want I want to invite you to join us for our next sermon series. It's gonna be it's gonna be called Our Life Examined, and it's a great series to follow up this real versus fake uh, series that we've just been through, because honestly, what we've got to do in order to have a real faith, in order to have a real character, in order in order to be real in the world around us, is we've got to examine where our life is. So what we want to talk about is the disciplines that are necessary to really take a good hard look at our lives and to just become better at what God's called us to do. So I want to encourage you to join us for the next few weeks as we take a look at Our Lives Examined.
0: Thank you again for joining us. We hope that this resource helped you in your journey towards loving God and loving people better every single day. If you enjoyed this, please take a second, share it with your friends. And last, we wanted to give a special thanks to all of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you all that this is possible. And if you'd like to learn more about how to partner with us financially, go ahead and click give for more information. We appreciate anything that you can do to help. So thanks again for being a member of our online family. We love serving Jesus with you.